everybody. Welcome back to On The Mix. You know who I am at this point in time. I'm your host, Lindsay. How's it going, everyone? Hope you're having a nice day today. So today, I am going to talk about one of the most interesting theories that I think I've ever heard in music history, okay? Have you heard about the Paul is dead theory? Some of you probably know what this theory is, and some of you probably don't. If you're a big Beatles fan or you're a big music fan, you probably know what I'm going to be talking about today. However, if you don't, well then buckle in because this is going to be a wild ride. Let me just say that right now. Okay, so, right? Paul McCartney of the Beatles, right? Everyone knows him. God bless him. He's a fucking awesome person, right? Okay, so there is a theory that Paul actually died in 1966 and he was replaced by a lookalike and that Paul McCartney or who is Paul McCartney now is just a fake person and he's not real. Yeah, this is actually a thing. This is actually a thing that actually happened, right? We're going to be seeing, okay? Let's get through it together because I'm going to be presenting all the facts today. So you're probably thinking to yourself, How did this theory even start? Well, the general consensus, the basic background story is one day after an argument at a recording session with the Beatles on November 9th, 1966, Paul left the studio in his Mini Cooper and he got into a deadly accident that decapitated him when he lost control of his vehicle, okay? So when news about Paul's death got out to the Beatles, UK security service MI5 suggested that they replace Paul immediately to avoid mass hysteria from fans if word got out to the public. They feared that there would be like mass suicide, it would just be hysteria in the streets, madness, madness ensuing because Paul McCartney is dead, right? So, The band held a secret Paul McCartney lookalike contest, and the winner was a Scottish orphan named William Shears Campbell. Does that name sound familiar to you? He is known as Billy Shears. And if you know about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, you know that at the end of the song, they say Billy Shears, and that's who we're talking about today, okay? That's who supposedly replaced Paul McCartney. However, it wasn't enough that he won a lookalike contest of Paul McCartney. Uh Uh-uh. He underwent minor plastic surgery. And then the band taught him how to sing, how to play the bass, and how to act exactly like Paul McCartney so that no one could be the wiser. This change was made easier due to the fact that the Beatles had stopped touring in 1966 and they could come up with a new look on their upcoming Sgt. Pepper's album. Okay? So that is the background of the whole story and how Paul died and then how they brought in this Paul McCartney lookalike. So now you're probably also thinking to yourself, how did this hoax, rumor, conspiracy start? Well, I got to take you back to February 1967. There was an issue of this Beatles magazine called the Beatles Book Monthly. So it was like a subscription magazine that Beatle fans would get in the mail monthly. It was just like a book of different kind of Beatle articles, photographs, news, that kind of stuff. So in this 1967 February issue of the Beatles book Monthly, there was a small paragraph in the magazine that talked about the accident. 
and it claimed that it was a false rumor. So I'm going to read to you the paragraph right now so that you guys can understand what they were talking about here and make up your own mind about this whole thing. Stories about the Beatles are always flying around Fleet Street. The 7th of January was very icy with dangerous conditions on the M1 motorway linking London with the Midlands, and towards the end of the day, a rumor swept London that Paul McCartney had been killed in a car crash on the M1. But, of course, there was absolutely no truth in it at all, as the Beatles press officer found out when he telephoned Paul's St. John Woods home and was answered by Paul himself, who had been home all day with his black Mini Cooper locked up in the garage. Alright, so that was the story that was put into this Beatle Monthly magazine, you know, it seemed to quell down the rumors, like, oh, okay, this press officer from, from them, you know, they put out this article that says that there's no credence to this, that it's totally fake, that, you know, it's a false story. All right, maybe we got it wrong. Okay, fine. So then the rumor died down. However, it came back in the fall of 1969. Imagine this, one of the massive summer of love years. You're in college. It's the U.S., right? You are just having a great time on the campus with your pals. You're doing what college kids do. You're at parties and you make up really stupid, dumb stories, okay? And one of these stories that got spread around the campus was that Paul McCartney died in 1966. And they said, hey, have you heard that Paul McCartney actually died in 1966? It's true. Have you heard about it? And so it gets spread around college campuses. And then one of these college students ended up calling a Detroit radio station and they got a hold of DJ Russ Gibb to play some Beatles music that contained hidden messages live on the air. So now, as you can imagine, all these college students and more, everybody is starting to hear this whole story. And then one college student who was listening in, his name is Fred Laborde, he heard this on the radio and he got an idea into his brain. He, at the time, was given the task of writing a review for the new Abbey Road album. And in this review, he decided to look deeper into the conspiracy and see if the new album held any hidden clues as to whether Paul McCartney died. So instead of doing the typical album review, he decided to do this instead. So he published his review to the college newspaper on October the 14th, 1969. And the paper was picked up by other colleges and radio stations, not only in the U.S., mind you, but in the U.K. as well. So it's now going international with this story. Even though it started in the U.K., it went over to the U.S., and now it like ping-pongs back and forth. It's crazy how this all happened just with one little college kid ringing up this Detroit radio station. But anyway, so, and now it gets bigger because Fred Laborde, this other college kid, wrote a review on Abbey Road, and he listed all of these clues in the album that I'm going to be talking about in a minute here. And the rumor suddenly became looked at as a fact. Everyone is demanding answers. They're like, what happened to Paul McCartney? Is he dead? What's going on here? And so... People are calling up the Beatles' management office. They're bombarding people there with phone calls, apparently about 3,000 phone calls a day, just asking, is Paul McCartney alive? Is he okay? Is he dead? We want answers. And it's just 
it got so blown out of proportion. And so now it's becoming a really big problem because now Paul McCartney has to get involved and Paul doesn't want to get involved because this was at the time when the Beatles had already broken up. Paul was with Linda and she had her daughter Heather and they were having their daughter Mary McCartney on the way. They moved to Scotland on a farm that Paul had purchased land on. They were having a very secluded, secret, private life and he didn't want to be in the public eye anymore. And what's mind-blowing about this whole story is that some reporters from Life magazine, they couldn't wait for a quote from Paul McCartney because before people were trying to get a quote from Paul for him to talk about this rumor and he didn't want to give credence to it. He didn't want to talk about it. He just assumed that it would die down in a few days. It wouldn't be a problem. So people were trying to get him to talk about it like the press officer and stuff and he wasn't going to do it. He's like, I don't need to give a quote because it's a stupid rumor and I just want to live my life. So two reporters from Life magazine, they thought, well, I have to stir the pot a little bit more because I can't wait for Paul to give a quote when he wants to give a quote. So two reporters from Life magazine, they find out where he lives in Scotland and they trespass onto Paul's farm. Now, can you imagine that? It's so remote. Like you you can't like just accidentally stumble upon this. You go out of your way to find this farm, right? So they stumble on his property. Paul is rightfully so very angry. And these people have cameras and, you know, they're taking photos and they're filming this encounter with Paul to get a quote from him. And Paul is very angry and he's like, just leave my farm. Like, what what are you doing here? I don't want you here on my property. Can you just leave me alone? Get out of here. Leave me and my family alone. However, when he realized in hindsight, like, oh shit, they caught me in a really bad, unflattering light because I was, you know, kind of being aggro to these people that were trying to come on my property. Even though Paul was in the right, he didn't want that negativity of himself to be put out to the public because he probably knew that they would have put that footage out and put the, the pictures out too. So he eventually called these people, these reporters back one day and he said, listen, I'll give you a quote, okay? Like I'll talk to you, I'll, I'll agree to an interview on the condition that you give me the negatives of the photos and the film so that this doesn't get put out into the press. If this is happening, I'm doing it in my way on my terms. So, all right, so that got an agreement happening. Like, okay, you know, let's get Paul on the cover of Life magazine and that's what happened. So the November 7th issue, Paul and Linda and their baby Mary and their daughter Heather was on the cover of Life magazine. And Paul gave an interview, again, just saying that this was all bullshit, like it has no credence, no value, no substance, no nothing, because hello, I'm here. <laughs> hello, I'm I'm Paul McCartney. <laughs> I'm alive. And so, okay, that seemed to once and for all stop the rumor from being spread about anymore because Paul gave a statement, right? Well, it didn't fully stop the rumors because I think as we're all aware, 
if you're out there and you're looking to find rumors of something or you're looking to find clues of something, you're going to find it just because your brain wills you to find these things. Even though Paul gave this really damning interview that obviously is like, hi, I'm alive. Thanks. You know, I'm, I'm alive. Hello. Thank you very much. Leave me alone. They had to believe that the theory was true. I don't know. It's just kind of really weird and just it's it's bizarre. One of the theories was that the rest of the Beatles were leaving clues in their music because they were so guilt-stricken over Paul's death that they left clues for the cover-up for fans to find. And so, <laughs> it's silly. It's really silly business. And you're going to see just how silly and far-fetched some, some of these clues are because I'm going to get into some of these right now. These are just kind of the more popular clues. There are, uh, like, so many. There's like an absolute plethora of clues that I'm not going to even really get into. I'm going to talk about the main ones. Okay, so these following clues are going to be on the cover and on the album entirely of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And we're all aware that Sgt. Pepper's was one of the most famous album covers of all time. It was very, very influential for the turn of that psychedelic movement in the mid-late 60s. And so we all know that the Beatles are on the cover and they're in this kind of military garb, right? So people think that the Beatles being in their military outfits, they're actually acting as pallbearers for a funeral. And Paul is the only one that's facing dead on towards the camera. And above Paul on the cover, there is a cutout of comedian Izzy Bond and he holds up his open hand above Paul's head and apparently... This symbol of an open palm signifies death in Eastern cultures. Paul also is the only one holding a black instrument. And also on the cover, if you hold a mirror up to the bass head drum, like perfectly horizontal to it, it shows a message. So it shows a message of the number one, followed by the word one, which makes up 11. So this signals back to November, the month that Paul died. This is followed by the number 9 in Roman numerals, so again, November 9th, the day that Paul died. And then the following message of he died, so it shows 119 he died. At the bottom of the cover, it looks like a freshly dug grave with the shape of a left-handed guitar made in flowers over the grave. Some think that these flowers actually spell out the message Paul? Question mark. And then when you open up the Gayfold album on the inside is the really nice photo of all four of the Beatles. And Paul is wearing a badge on one of his shoulders that looks to have the initials OPD. And some think that this badge stands for officially pronounced dead. And then on the back cover, George has his hand pointing coincidentally to a lyric from She's Leaving Home, which reads, Wednesday at five o'clock in the morning which supposedly is the time of Paul's death. Now, weirdly enough, though, November the 9th in 1966 was actually a Wednesday. So that is actually extremely coincidental. So on the actual album itself, after the opening of the song, I already mentioned, right, that they sing the lyric Billy Shears, right? So this is to be implied as a secret message that, hey, Paul is actually this guy, Billy Shears. And on side two of the album, on A Day in the Life, it was alluded to Paul's death with the lyrics. 
He blew his mind out in a car. He didn't notice that the lights had changed. A crowd of people stood and stared. They'd seen his face before. All right, so let me break this down, right? So those are the clues on Sgt. Pepper's. Now let me kind of debunk these a little bit. So the whole thing about the Beatles and their military outfits and the whole thing with the palm above Paul's head, the whole thing about like the funeral and the grave with the guitar on it, right? Okay, so let's talk about that. Oh, and then the one where all the Beatles are turning inwards and then Paul is the one that's facing out towards the camera, right? If you look at the outtakes of Sgt. Pepper's for the album cover, you can see that they had a couple different iterations where the Beatles switched places, they switched instruments. Um, so there's a couple instances where Ringo is the one where the open hand is above his head and, and Paul isn't holding the black instrument because black is a symbol of death. You know what I'm saying? They got it switched around and the whole thing about the military outfits was, again, this whole thing of Sgt. Pepper's being a new and expanded concept for the Beatles where they didn't want to play as the Beatles. They wanted to play this new, different ego band. And so this was the whole persona of the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band was the military outfits, right? There isn't really a whole lot of credence to give that an open palm signifies death in Eastern cultures. That's what people have said, but there's really no credence to that one either. It's just kind of a really silly thing. And in terms of the grave with the guitar, yeah, that is supposed to be kind of like um, a grave, but it's not to be represented as, oh, I dug up Paul and Paul is buried here with the left-handed guitar. I mean, that's just kind of stupid. The flowers do represent a guitar, but it's not a left-handed guitar. It doesn't mean that Paul is dead and they buried him there. You know what I'm saying? The only thing that is a massive coincidence is the lyric on the back, Wednesday at five o'clock in the morning, where George is pointing up to it just kind of randomly, obviously. That is interesting, though, that November the 9th is actually on a Wednesday. That's that's a bit coincidental, but that's not to say that that was like a clue, you know. And then the whole thing about Billy Shears, right? So they sing the word Billy Shears. Paul actually says in an interview that he only used Billy Shears as a means of rhyming years. So he thought, what rhymes with years? Billy Shears. That's kind of what he came up with there. And then in terms of the lyric in A Day in the Life, I mentioned in my Beatles podcast where the story about this guy that dies in a car accident is actually alluding to one of John and Paul's friends, um, Tara Brown, who died in a car accident. He was 21. That's what they were talking about. Of course. So that kind of debunks Sgt. Pepper's. But now let's get into the clues that people have found on Magical Mystery Tour, the next album. So Paul on the album cover apparently is the only one dressed in black as the walrus. And then if you flip the album cover upside down, the stars that make up the word Beatles, if you read out the message or you look at the message, it turns out to be the form of a phone number. And depending on how you look at these numbers, you could get varying different phone numbers. Apparently, according to some people, if you called one of these numbers on a Wednesday at 5 a.m. or 5 p.m., you would get either a message on one end, like a, a voicemail or something, or cryptic messages. And some people would say that someone on the other end claimed to be Billy Shears himself. 
Now, on the U.S. release of Magical Mystery Tour, the album featured a 24-page booklet on the inside of the album. And in this booklet, there are apparently four instances and photographs where hands are raised above Paul's head. And on one page, there's a photo of Paul sitting on a desk, apparently with the message, I was, in front of him. Then when you flip to the center fold of the booklet, there's a photo of all four members, and Paul is the only one not wearing shoes. And then on the following page, Paul is the only Beatle that's wearing a black flower in his tuxedo when they're doing the song Your Mother Should Know, okay? Then on the track I Am the Walrus, there's a barely audible section at the end of the song with voices reciting a section of Shakespeare's King's Lear. Apparently, when you play this in reverse, people have claimed to hear the message, Paul is dead, haha. Now, on side two of the album, on Strawberry Fields Forever, at the end of the song, John says what is believed to be cranberry sauce, but some have thought that the message is actually, I buried Paul. So that's Magical Mystery Tour. So let's break this one down as well. So the fact that people think Paul is the only one dressed in black as the walrus, actually, it was John. (laughs) John was dressed as the walrus. I don't know why people thought Paul was the one dressed as the walrus because John said, I am the walrus. I know in Glass Onion, there's a whole thing about that, right? He says the lyric, here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. That was just like a, a joke. Like it wasn't actually, he wasn't actually saying the walrus was Paul. So the album cover, when you flip it upside down and apparently you could get one in a million different phone numbers. I mean, that's just obviously not credible either because... You could get varying different phone numbers. And what's the whole point of that? You could, the funny thing about that is how many people were calling phone numbers of random people's houses and they were playing into it like, oh yeah, I'm Billy Shears. Hi. Yeah. Paul died and I replaced him on the Beatles. Woo. Like spooky. I mean, like, can you imagine? Some people must have had such a good laugh, like making fun of these fanatics for calling these phone numbers. Or they got really pissed. Like, can you stop calling this number, please? Oh my God, can you imagine? That must have been awful. And then again, what the whole thing on the booklet with the hands above Paul's head, I already talked about that. There's no significance of a open palm being referenced to death. So, you know, that doesn't really make any sense at all. And then in terms of the message, I was where Paul was sitting at a desk and that was written on the desk. The message actually was I you was. It wasn't I was, it was I, you, was, which makes no sense grammatically, of course, but that debunks that. And then in terms of the centerfold where Paul's the only one without shoes, I don't know why people think that Paul not wearing shoes is a significance of burying a corpse because corpses don't wear shoes or something. I don't know. But Paul doesn't wear shoes on Abbey Road either. I think it's just a personal preference. Sometimes Paul doesn't want to wear shoes. You know, you can't blame the guy for that one. In terms of the black flower, Paul's the only one wearing a black flower. Apparently, Paul says later in an interview that they ran out of red flowers, so he had to wear a black one. Simple as that. In terms of the backwards talk on I am the walrus and strawberry fields, um, again, with strawberry fields, it's known that John says cranberry sauce. He doesn't say I buried Paul. Um, And then again, with the whole King Lear on I am the walrus, that's just gibberish absolute gibberish. They didn't actually intend to record Shakespeare's King Lear. That was accidental when they were recording 
I'm the Walrus in the studio, they had Shakespeare's King Lear on the radio. And so they accidentally caught a bit of that on the end of the record. Like they didn't mean for that to be put in there. Now we're moving on to clues from the White Album. So the White Album, of course, is a, is a blank cover. So there's going to be no clues on there. However, on the album on the inside, there was a poster that was included. And apparently there was a photo in there. Okay, there was a photo in that poster. And it apparently shows the only known photo of Billy Shears that shows him pre-plastic surgery. It's a guy that looks like Paul with glasses and a mustache. Or it was Paul with glasses and he had a mustache. I think that's the simpler explanation for that one. At the end of I'm So Tired, there's some mumbling words. But when you play it backwards, some have heard John say, Paul is dead. Miss him. Miss him. Also, if you play the beginning of Revolution 9 backwards, you hear John say, Turn me on, dead man, which is the song that was played on the Detroit radio station where they play, Turn me on, dead man. <laughs> That's the only one, to be honest, that does sound quite interesting because Revolution 9 was um, one of their most interesting songs ever made. I'm just going to leave it like that, right? So, but the whole Paul is dead, miss him, miss him is actually John saying something to the effect of, Monsieur, Monsieur, may I have another? Something like that. Um, so it wasn't even, <laughs> Paul is dead, miss him, miss him. It was something like that. So that was the only kind of things that were on the White Album. Now we're going on to Abbey Road. Some people think that the cover itself is depicting a scene where the Beatles are walking towards a cemetery with John leading the way dressed in white, Ringo dresses in black as the undertaker. Paul, of course, steps out of line with the rest of the Beatles and he is barefoot. And George follows behind in a whole denim outfit resembling a gravedigger. And then behind the Beatles, there's a Volkswagen Beetle bug. And the license plate, some people think that it reads 28 if. And Paul would have been 28 at the time of Abbey Road if he had apparently lived. So now, Abbey Road, that's basically the whole thing on Abbey Road is just the album cover and some of those little things. So the album cover of Abbey Road, I talked about this too, how it came about. It was just more of, it was more of just a whole thing of, well, Abbey Road is right here. It's convenient. Let's just walk outside, get a picture of us walking across the crosswalk, and that's the album cover done. There was only six photos taken from that whole session. And Paul and the photographer had a look at each photo. And you can see there are a lot of outtakes of, you know, the other photos that didn't get picked for the album cover. The one that they chose for the album cover is the best one of all of them. Like, it's the best one. So the fact that Paul isn't wearing shoes and Paul is out of step with the rest of them, that was just coincidence. But you could tell in the other photos that Paul was actually wearing sandals that day. But he said later in an interview that he removed his sandals because it was a hot day and he didn't want to wear shoes. I think Paul has a thing for not wanting to wear shoes when it's hot out. So fair enough. He just didn't want to wear shoes that day. And that was it. And on the license plate for the Volkswagen Beetle Bug behind the Beatles, the license plate is actually 281F. I believe that's what it was. 281F. It wasn't 28F. So that's wrong as well. And would you believe people found a clue on the Life magazine issue that Paul was featured on? 
to put the rumor to rest? Could you believe people found a clue on that? Here's the clue. Apparently, if you hold up the magazine in just the right way up to a light, you could apparently see the Mercury car ad on the other side of the page that looks like it runs through the body of Paul McCartney. Again, like I mentioned, all I can say about this is people will force themselves to see what they want to see. If people are convinced that Paul is dead, they will find it in everywhere they look and everywhere they turn. They'll find it. They'll absolutely find it. So that was it. Again, there's, there's a lot more that I didn't talk about because these were the main ones that people were perpetuating and have been perpetuating for years. So while some conspiracy theorists believe that the three Beatles were behind the rumor, a lot believed that Capitol Records actually started the rumor as an elaborate publicity stunt to sell more records. It is true, though, that because of the whole rumor being started and being perpetuated around Abbey Road, that the album got a huge influx of sales because people were trying to figure out what clues were on here, and some actually bought multiple copies because some would ruin their records because they would play them backwards on their horrible turntables that weren't meant to do that, okay? So they would ruin the record and then they would buy another one as their playing copy. So some people would buy multiples and this obviously made a huge influx of sales. Now, Capital could see the increase in sales that they were making because of this rumor, and they never try to stop the perpetuation of the rumor. And in fact, they had no shame in trying to capitalize off of it. They didn't start the rumor. However, they were seeing this as a cash grab. Now they were like, oh, how can we use this in our advantage? How can we make money off of this now? They didn't start it, but they kept fuel on the fire. Let's just say it like that. So a long, long time after this whole rumor got started by college student Fred Laborde. He said later on that, yes, he did in fact make up all of these clues and he perpetuated all of these clues. I don't think he meant any harm by it necessarily. I think it was just something fun for him to do as a college student to kind of spice things up in his album review that, hey, let's perpetuate a false rumor. But however... His actions created a massive domino effect that would have negative consequences on not only his life, but also he made life miserable in a way for Paul and his family. They were just trying to have a nice, non-consequential, normal, if you will, kind of life in Scotland on the farm, and Paul just could not be left alone, even to this very day. People still question Paul McCartney on this Paul is dead rumor, and it's just so stupid. And it's funny to me that people are comparing photos of Paul pre-1966 and Paul now and saying, oh, see, you can tell Paul looks different. Paul's ear is different here, and the nose is different here, and the eyes and the lips here. And it's just like, have you not seen a human being age before? Have you not seen that? Also, there is an interesting kind of spin to this story that I did want to mention. Let's go back to the 1967 publication in the Beatle Monthly magazine that I talked about that initially referenced this rumor and they put it to rest, right? 
So what actually happened was his Mini Cooper was actually involved in a car accident. However, he wasn't driving his Mini Cooper. It was driven by the assistant of London art dealer Robert Fraser, and Paul was actually driving in a separate car with Mick Jagger. Somehow, his Mini Cooper got involved into a accident, and so that was a separate thing, though. You know what I'm saying? Like that was a whole separate thing. But I think people might have maybe taken that out of proportion and blew it up somehow. But either way, you know, this whole thing of Paul being dead. And it's fake. It's fake and it's false and it's not real, in my opinion. Some people believe that it is, but that's my, that's my perspective on it. There's simply no evidence to suggest that Paul was ever involved in a car crash on November the 9th, 1966. Paul did, however, have an accident on his moped scooter in December 1965. It was a minor accident. It did leave him with a scar on his lip and a chipped tooth. Um, but it wasn't anything major. It was just kind of a minor accident. This actually led to Paul wanting to grow out a mustache in the first place so that he could hide the scar. And you can actually see his chipped tooth on the paperback writer music video. And I believe possibly on the rain one, if Paul sings in that, I believe there's footage of Paul singing and you can see it there too. But you can really see it on paperback writer. If you really want to look for it, you can see it. Because they filmed the music video for Paperback Writer and Rain in May 1966. So that was it. That was the only that was the only kind of motor accident that Paul was ever involved in that there's actual evidence for. However, this whole thing that Paul died on November 9th, 1966, and he was replaced by this Paul lookalike was just so far-fetched and so mind-blowingly stupid. And it just got perpetuated even more in 1969 by college students that were spreading around the story at parties. They were like, whoa, can you believe? And they just got a radio host involved in it and it got spread like wildfire. And then Fred Laborde got in on it too and was like, let's perpetuate this even more. And then it, it just spiraled into what it is now. Because believe me, there are people out there to this very day that still believe in the Paul is dead conspiracy theory. However, again, I put my two cents out there. It's totally fake. It's false. I mean, it's so stupid. The main gripe I have with this whole thing is like, you're telling me that Paul died. The three members hold a Paul lookalike contest. This Scottish guy won, but yet he still needed plastic surgery to look like Paul. And yet miraculously, he plays exactly like Paul McCartney. He sounds exactly like Paul McCartney, he was Scottish, right? He was a Scottish orphan. Where did he go to learn his Liverpudlian accent? And then you're telling me he married Linda Eastman and they had children together and he got knighted as Sir Paul McCartney? Like, are you serious? If you if 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 this guy really won a Paul lookalike contest, why would he need plastic surgery to look like Paul McCartney? You know what I'm saying? Like, how absolutely bonkers and how absolutely twisted is the whole thing? It just makes no sense. It's not based in reality. It's just funny. That's just something that you don't think about. Like, well, there's holes in this whole story like Swiss cheese. I mean, come on. That's really funny. I just thought about that. Like, hello, this Billy Shears guy apparently is a Scottish orphan. And you're telling me they got him, what, a vocal coach to teach him how to have a Scouse accent? Like, yeah, that's totally, 
That's totally legitimate. Like, what? No, that's so far-fetched. It's stupid. It's so mind-blowingly stupid. And so, yeah, I did talk about a little bit that photo that was in the White Album that apparently is the only known photo of Billy Shears. That's just Paul with his hair done in a different way, with glasses and a mustache. That's it. That's literally it. I didn't even talk about the photo. I believe that was also featured in the White Album poster where Paul is in a bathtub and you can only see like his face above the bath. And people are saying that that photo is a post-mortem photo where they're like washing his body in like a soapy, bubbly bath. And it's like, guys, no, no, no. I mean, listen, okay? This was the time of LSD and pot. And I could probably imagine this whole entire thing really and truly and honestly got started because someone was really high on drugs one day and they were like, have you heard Paul McCartney died in 1966? And then, of course, you bring in college students in 1969 involved in this whole thing in America. And it came from, I'm telling you, drugs. I'm telling you, that's the only that's the only way that this could ever possibly make sense. Someone got drunk. Someone got a bit high one day. Someone was starting to trip one day and they were like, whoa, have you heard Paul McCartney died in 1966? So Capitol Records has still to this day denied any and all involvement in starting the rumor. Again, they didn't start the rumor, but they surely kept fuel on the fire. And that is the rundown of the Paul is dead conspiracy theory. That's just my two cents. But what do you believe? Do you believe that Paul McCartney died and he was replaced by Billy Shears? Or do you not believe it? Do you believe that it's all a bunch of nonsense and that Paul is still Paul and he is alive and well and he's fine? I'm actually curious to know. So that is today's episode. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I will see you guys next Wednesday with a new episode of On The Mix. I will talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.